Dear ladies and gentlemen, dear eco-civilization friends, eco-civilization is our new shared destination, co-created jointly as a new global civilization paradigm. We know that it is time to live differently, to be more connected to the living world around us, to be in balance with the planet, the universe, with ourselves and our fellow humans. At eco-civilization, we explore how a new civilization might organize itself, what its new priorities could be, and what could be the essence of it. In the upcoming episodes, we will talk to inspiring eco-civilization country chairs, presenting their work and their vision of a more inclusive and sustainable world. My name is Tina Drolz, and in today's episode, our guest is Chenesai Mangoma. Chenesai is eco-civilization wing of Zimbabwe, committed social agent and trade lawyer working in creative economy strategy and development in Zimbabwe. She operates at the intersection of the creative industry, international trade and human development. She's the founder of Chenesai Africa, a fast growing global entity premised on trade for development and currently leading the networking building systems and processes in the creative industries of Zimbabwe towards increasing trade and investment in the trade in the sector. Her lifetime commitment to sustainable social change is rooted in finding the synergy between creative sector trade of goods and services for micro to small fashion creatives and international trade and investment law and sustainable women and girls empowerment. Dear Chenesai, at Eco-Civilization, we have discussed many times that we sense weak signals of change arising. Can our societies and civilization transform without tapping into the wisdom and knowledge of older ancient civilizations? Thank you so much for having me. It's such a great honor to be part of this network. There is so much power in networks and I have this year been so intentional about surrounding myself with people that propel my work and people that understand that development can only be human-centered. Sustainable development can only be human-centered. There is no other way uh, other than to realize that the wisdom of the past, concepts and principles, philosophies such as Ubuntu that bring us together and realize uh, the crucial and importance of collaborative work and at the center of it, puts, putting the human interest at heart is the only way, and I say this without hesitation, that we can bring about sustainable changes in our communities. Dear Chenesai, you are also one of the leading forces behind the year of Ubuntu, where you seek to give the world a tool for healing, reconciliation and collaboration. In which area, perhaps also geographically as well as internally, do you see that the world needs the most healing and reconciliation? I believe that for me, in my sense, not just because I am African, I believe that our continent is at a time because we have so much to offer to the world that when we start realizing that over the years and over the centuries and the decades, 
there's so much that has happened within our continent, so much peace, so much conflict that has impeded or worked against us realizing the epitome of our greatness, which I believe without hesitation that Africa is one of the greatest powerhouse, one of the greatest centuries, such a colorful uh, continent with so much to offer to the world. We are offering a lot, but we are not operating at 100%. I believe once we realize the wisdom that is Africa, once we heal, once we are recon reconciled, once we are collaborative, I believe in this era of the African Continental Free Trade Agreement, the largest trade area, uh, trade area established world over, that we will be able to share with the world the light that we are. And you are a global leader with over 12 years of experience building and leading teams. You graduated magna cum laude in law from the University of Pretoria, and you have worked professionally in the US. What brought you back to Africa? In, in part, a lot of circumstances, a lot of familial circumstances brought me back to Africa. But in hindsight, I realized that this was my destiny. I believe in the power of the universe, that sometimes the universe leads you where you cannot imagine until you're placed in that situation and you realize this is where you are meant to be. This is your calling. This is the divinity that you are meant to serve. And it has been very difficult, a very difficult road to be on. But in this era that I'm at, 12 years later of working in this global entity, I am more and more becoming in tune with my, with my inner calling and bringing that to the world as the light that the name Chenesai represents, which means she who brings light. So I'm very excited and honored to be back on the mother soil, whether it was familiar circumstances that brought me back, but this was where I was meant to shine and show the world that Africa can and will. Among others, you are also a real fashion queen, having your own fashion brand, Chenesai, formed in um, 2016. It has not been created just because of your passion for fashion, but it sustains the voice of hope. So can you explain it? Absolutely. I believe that clothes or the creative sector in, in different forums and different spaces is such an important form of expression. I believe that the creative eye is an eye that speaks for the community, right? Creatives are generally part of the innovation sector. What we innovate with our create creations, for me, it has been innovating with clothing pieces. We created a clothing line, a clothing collection called the Freedom Collection. For me, the Freedom Collection was about realizing the amount of freedom. When you look at the amount of uh, limitations that women across the world sometimes have and are living in, and you realize the freedoms that I have lived in as a Zimbabwean woman, um, 30, 40 old, odd years that I've been in this country, you realize that there's so much freedom that is meant to be celebrated. Zimbabwean women, for the longest time, I had no limitation in what I wanted to do or what I could think or how I would socialize. I knew right from an early age that I wanted to drive. I could take a driver's license. In many parts of the world, women could not do that. Women cannot do that. Um, so these freedoms for me were worth celebrating through 
this clothing brand, which is meant to sustain, uh, to remember, recover, and reveal that which has sustained the African woman for centuries. It is such a vibrant way to say to the world, we are here. So when I show up and I show up in color, I am celebrating this feminist that is colorful, feminism that is free, uh, feminism that builds platforms and feminism that creates platforms. That's what for me fashion has been able to do. When I get onto that runway collection, I am dancing through, generally I'm a dancer through the runway. I dance because dancing is also an expression of freedom of body, freedom of choice, right? So when I dance on that runway, it's so intentional for me because at the end of the day, we need to show the world that we are emancipated and we need to cry out to the world that give us a platform, let us do more. Give us a platform, let us reach for our sisters, our mothers, our children that are still living in social and cultural norms that limit their thinking, their capacity. So that for me has been done by fashion. Even when I tell my story on social media, it is always, always about how I look because how I look is the first, first thing that you see. It grips the attention and thereafter you are forced to listen. So it is such a pleasure to be able to tell my story through clothes, um, stories of freedom, stories of survival, and stories of opportunity. And you are really inspiring. I mean, many, many people around you, let's say locally, regionally, and also internationally. Actually, your fashion brand has been recognized internationally very much. It has created also um, many, let's say, strong international uh, corporations and projects in this um, sense of the strong values that you share. But on the other hand, you are also very active um, in the field of direct supply chains. Um, Africa is becoming a bigger player in the global economy and you work with local small scale traders, helping them develop and grow. So you are striving to establish a direct supply chains for the sale of agricultural uh, products uh, direct to the clients. Can you tell us more? Absolutely. Um, I thrive at community practice. So Chenisai Africa is a three-part entity. We have a media house. In our media house, we have a chat series. Our chat series, we speak to creative industries practitioners across Africa. So we are reaching 55 African countries and we're having conversations about policy frameworks and market access with creators across Africa. We have the fashion house. The fashion house is where the Chinasai studio falls, where we are inviting small scale um, uh, to micro, uh, micro to small scale uh, practitioners of uh, creative uh, commodities and services to say, let's aggregate, let's figure out how to proceed. Let's talk about value addition. And really importantly, let me hear the story that drives your creation. That is what our studio house does. And import and also holds the Pants Brothers, a brand that is meant to, uh, to celebrate childhood. Uh, they make colorful pants, uh, which really says, Let, let's allow our children to dream big. So by dreaming big, by creating these labels at such a young age, imagine 20 years from now what that can be. 
And that is the message behind the Pants Brothers. Allow them that dream big ambition and give them a platform. Prepare them for the path where they can be anything and everything. And finally, we have the consultancy where in our consultancy, we are looking uh, from my, my trade lawyer perspective, which is my training and my capacity. Um, we're looking at the framework of the trade and investment portfolios. We started out this consultancy in the creative industries, strategizing around how might we aggregate, how might we collect data? Who do we need to reach this data with? How do we make this data economical? What is the economic value of the data that's being collected? What is the voice of the creatives? How do we put, uh, forge collaborations? So in this portfolio, we have worked with entities from the HEVOS, uh, um, the non-governmental organizations, uh, HEVOS, British Council, United Nations, um, and some private entities such as Old Mutual, Bank ABC, that we have forged um, relationships with as we build and curated projects, platforms that are meant to aggregate creative industry practice. And this year, we were bold enough to say we are going and we are going to learn about the sector, agricultural sector. What drew us to agriculture is we believe that there are core industries in Africa that are going to further development. Um, and part of them is the creative industries um, as well as the agricultural sector. So in our agricultural sector, what we are focused on is how might we uh, focus more on building community within these um, within these farming regions or farming areas towards um, pr increasing productivity. So how do we develop the community and focus on humans, the humans that work in these communities? How do we talk about um, these communities going to school? How do we talk about education? How do we talk about saving? How do we talk about all sorts of things. And part of what we have done so far in this work this year, we have created what we're calling a Mill Group After School Program. So this after school program is accessible to the children within this whole community belt. And what part of it is, it's a center where they can come, they can access the internet, and we teach uh, math and English as core subjects to their learning uh, journey, and also life skills. We believe that those creative life skills are very paramount to them always having something to raise money to stay in school or also just as a career option, um, depending on what they want to realize. So that is how we arrived at uh, managing and um, getting the consultancy of um, the agriculture sector. And we're very excited at growing our consultancy portfolio because what we have amassed this year the conversations we've had, the research we've gathered is really telling us that there is a great opportunity to invest in the human um, humans that are working in these um, areas of agriculture, different places, different forms at different levels. And importantly, how do we thrive these sectors and these workers to make sure that they stay in school, their children stay in school and we capacitate them to come back and work in these areas as the engineers, as the project managers, as, as, as. This for us will be able to sustain our agricultural uh, sectors to increase production and yield over, over time. And can you tell maybe, uh, Chenesai, more about 
I mean, it's really important also um, the perspective um, of a direct supply chains. So that there is not so many, you know, subcontractors taking money, everything. You are also, you are also very much devoted to that aspect. So supply chains for me, value chains, supply chains are, are very, very important. The mm -hmm. reason why it is so is because sometimes, and this is some, some of the work and the, the understandings that we gleaned from our creative industries portfolio. So some of these communities sometimes are very skilled and very capable. And what happens is they have this skill and they have this capacity and they work with a middleman. Right. And this middleman might not have their interests at heart. So simply put, and this is not standard practice, but it has been seen to happen in some areas. So what happens when you have this middleman that cuts the direct supply chain from the creator to the market? Right. Is this middleman sells this product at 100 percent profit? and gives the community $2, $3. So one thing that we were researching in one of our, our pro, um, projects uh, a year or two ago was when these projects are um, put on the ground, when these projects are, are running, if they've been running for four or five years, when you go to these communities, are these communities better off? Do you see the sense that they are producing global products that are being shipped in masses across the globe. Do you see development? Do you see preschools? Do you see school? Do you see schools? Do you see boreholes? Um, do you see better housing? Um, just the minimal issues. And some of our observations have actually been no, sadly. So this is where you start imagining the role of the middleman in the supply chain. And mm. this is where the communities need to be capacitated both the communities, and if they are to use the middleman, the middleman needs to be capacitated, the community needs to be capacitated so that all of them stand to benefit. Because in some instances, you do need a middleman to get your product to the market. But if the community does not know their worth or does not realize uh, the worth of what their skill, the capacity is and what they can get from it to enrich their own communities, then you have a disconnect and you will have generation of poverty. And this, interestingly, has also affected the intergenerational skill transfer. And when I say this, it's if my mother, for instance, was a, a knit jerseys or basket weaver, if my mother's life never, um, never changed or never really uh, developed or changed, I am not inspired to become a basket weaver. So that intergenerational skills transfer is very important to building generational businesses. But if the businesses in one generation don't leap forward, there is no inspiration for the offsprings of that uh, creator to want to follow in that footsteps, which now um, disrupts the idea of intergenerational businesses in the micro to small scale led businesses. Thank you very much, Anasai. And we definitely, we, we, we share the values and the mission also within the eco-civilization. Um, you are um, really very much appreciated wing of Zimbabwe. And um, can, you, can you tell us, uh, let's say your perspective, how do you see the eco-civilization? 
I think the time is, is now. The time is now where we need to start reimagining, rethinking, redesigning um, how we see uh, the future of our world. We cannot, start, we cannot continue to have isolated conversations. I cannot continue to speak about developing the creative industries without understanding how that is going to impact on climate, without understanding about circular economy. I think all of these things need to be brought together on one platform and these collective conversations um, need to be realized. I think that is very, very important. So eco-civilization, the work of eco-civilization of thinking that with whatever industry that you're working in, there is the idea of the circular economy. How does the work in the agricultural sector affect the climate? Until we start having these conversations on one footing, we might not start strategizing or coming up with solutions that are going to help us uh, mitigate climate, uh, climate changes uh, problems. We're not going to come up with uh, factors that are going to allow us to realize how human development is essential to us seeing a world where our children can live in. Unfortunately, no matter what you do, without taking care of the climate, we are nothing. We're nothing without the climate. The climate is nothing without us. But more and more, what I see with big, with big businesses sometimes is you completely forget the climate exists and you have these conversation. You forget about the circular economy. You have these conversation in isolation. You build strategy and lo and behold, 20 years, that strategy could come back and affect the children that we are working for because they will not be able to live in this world because the world might not exist if we don't take care of it. So eco-civilization is such an important platform. The time is now, the time is ripe where we start thinking about climate, profit, business, people. Thank you so much, dear genocide people. Yes, thank you so much. And thank you very much, dear listeners, to you as well for listening this really inspiring second episode of Eco-Civilization Podcast. We would love uh, for you to join the conversation and you can get in touch with us on our social media channels and our website, ecocivilization.eu. Till the next time, wishing you all the best.